What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast, alongside our Hoops Hype salary cap expert, Yosi Goslin. On today's episode, Yosi and I will break down the future for the Brooklyn Nets, including the future of free agent guard Spencer Dimwitty. He's going to be one of the top unrestricted free agents at the point guard position coming up this summer. And we'll also take a look at the 76ers and some potential trade destinations that could make sense for Ben Simmons and much more coming up on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on, Mike. And I guess we should start with Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, one of the other decisions the Nets are going to talk are going to have to figure out are the extensions to their stars. But after that, uh, things are going to have to, or even before that, it'll be Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, He'll be one of their first priorities and, you know, not so much, even if they're not going to, even if he wasn't going to resign with them, uh, just working with him, trying to figure something out on his future. Uh, maybe he, he joins a team that's over the cap and he, they need the, he needs a nuts help to get him in a sign and trade there. Uh, that's going to be the first thing I think uh, the Nets will have to look at. Yeah. And, you know, Yossi, you, you brought up the possibility of a sign and trade. So uh, a couple of days ago on Hoops Hype, we both kind of touched on the Nets. You did a bit of uh, the team from a salary cap perspective. You talked about the offseason preview. And for some of those free agents that you talked about that they have, I looked at those guys with Spencer Dinwiddie, Blake Griffin, uh, Jeff Green, and Bruce Brown. So uh, if you haven't seen it, they're on HoopsHype.com. Make sure you give them a look. Uh, but for for this portion of the podcast with Dinwiddie, um, it's going to be interesting because there's some executives around the league that do believe Dinwiddie will not be back with the Brooklyn Nets next year. Uh, specifically, one executive I mentioned in, in the recent story said that, uh, you know, quote, Dinwiddie seems like he's leaving. He'll have a high salary number. I don't see him staying regardless. I don't get the sense he wants to be there. Um, now, with that in mind, you know, Dinwiddie, in speaking with the executives I polled for the story, some of them gave him an evaluation of earning like high teens for an annual salary. I personally think he could get that and, and more. Um, you know, originally before he got hurt, uh, there was some talk about maybe trying to get over 20 plus million and maybe try to rival uh, the Fred Van Vliet deal, a four year type of contract like that. Uh, with the market, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out for him, given the ACL injury. But uh, we recently saw that, uh, according to The Athletic, that he's cleared for now all basketball activities, which is great to see. And he's been posting on Instagram a lot, trying to show that he's back uh, to his peak form. So, um, you know, with that in mind, I think pretty much the expectation around the league and, you know, Sean Marks publicly talked about it. Uh, during his press conference about either they are going to try to resign him or do what they can to help him. Um, and, you know, whether that's getting back a trade uh, exception or just uh, getting an asset back for him. Uh, it's pretty clear that the writing on the wall seems to be that a sign and trade is the most likely outcome for Spencer Dimwitty right now. And, you know, in, in terms of looking at that, um, you know, I had always wondered now, this is just my opinion, not reporting it. But for example, something like maybe to the Lakers for a Kyle Kuzma, 
um, you know, you've heard his name out there on Rumbling or even just anywhere else that uh, Spencer could look for a trade, uh, a sign and trade deal. You know, from your perspective in terms of like looking in, at the cap, how could something like that kind of happen, whether it's for the Lakers, theoretically for Kyle Kuzma or um, just the team in general, if he's trying to make that sign and trade happen? Yeah, so just just generally speaking with Dinwiddie, I don't think you need to like know too much about the situation to kind of see – you say the writing's on the wall. It's just a financial decision for Dinwiddie. He was, he's been making around 10 to $12 million the past few years, and now he's – like you said, he's probably going to get something in the high teens, maybe close to $20 million. And if you're Brooklyn, do you – do you want to pay him like a starter to most likely come off the bench? You know, that's, that's, yeah, they have all the money in the world and they're already going to have a very expensive team going forward anyways. But I don't know if, you know, this, that just doesn't seem like a good invest. Like to, you don't want to be paying a guy that much. if He's not even going to be closing for you guys. Very good. You know, very good chance. He's not going to be doing that. So it's just a financial decision. Dinwiddie had an excellent experience in Brooklyn these five years. He went from being not even a rotation player to potentially starting on the next team he goes to. So it just seems like if there, there's definitely some good business for them to work together. And, and if Dinwiddie needs Brooklyn's help to get him on the team he wants to be, I think uh, they each kind of owe each other some cooperation if if needed. And um, so, you know, you mentioned the Lakers, for example. I know Spencer's from L.A. I could totally see him wanting to return uh, to play there. Um, so we we did go over the Lakers situation last year, just very uh, last week, just very briefly. And it is possible they could get Dinwiddie. Uh, just there's a lot of other variables you kind of have to factor in with the Lakers if they're going to uh, assign and trade for a free agent like Dinwiddie and it's mainly the hard cap situation that they'd have. Um, they could easily match with Kuz when they might have to throw in another salary. It's not that's not the big issue. The the other thing is I'm not too sure Dinwiddie would. He might have to take back uh, a little. He might have to give up a little bit of money to make it work. Because um, they also got a factor in. You got Caruso and Taylor Horton and Tucker. They could be getting full mid level type of money and. Uh, it'll be kind of hard to squeeze all three guys and fill out the rest of the roster, most likely with minimum players. Uh, it's possible, but it's going to require like a lot, a lot of cooperation also from these other Lakers free agents to make it work. But um, we'll see. Well, it's definitely possible, though. I just think it's going to be interesting to see where Spencer ends up. Um, I, I do believe that he is going to come back and be – a key contributor, whether it's for the Nets or another team. Uh, he's still young enough where I think he can make a, a difference. Now, th- with that said, you know, the, the Nets have other options. You know, I touched on in the story with guys like Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, and Bruce Brown. But, you know, if you look at the front court, uh, one of the things that Sean Marks touched on was that, you know, they could use a little bit help with rebounding, which is ironic. Uh, because they do have DeAndre Jordan, who is a good rebounder, but DeAndre has been uh, moved to the bench. You know, Nick Claxton took a lot of his minutes uh, during the season, and then once they got LaMarcus Aldridge, which people forget about him, 
and they got Blake Griffin as well, uh, you saw DeAndre's role significantly reduced. Uh, so I think for him, that's a guy that you need to look at as a guy that maybe Brooklyn considers not only just for themselves, but possibly for him, maybe looking to find a, a better situation for him. Now, there's interesting dynamics there because obviously he came with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, how would they feel about that? Those type of discussions are going to be had between Sean Marks, Durant, Irving, Harden. Uh, you know, Sean does involve the players, uh, his elite stars in those type of decisions. Um, it's just good business. So um, that, I think, is is going to be a, something to at least uh, keep an eye on for sure. Absolutely. Uh, the I like to think of it when uh, I was looking at the Denver Nuggets earlier this year. They had Gary Harris, and he was making close to $20 million and he was unavailable. And then when he did play, just wasn't very productive. And if you're going to be a contender, you can't have big money just sitting there not playing or when they do, when you do play, just not giving you that much. So the Nets are trying to make the next step. I mean, look, I think they were going to beat – they would have beaten the Bucks Had they not gotten super injured, they probably, in my opinion, would have gone to the championship. So – you don't have to be too worried about the Nets team building going forward because I think they already have the foundation and they'll definitely get the some of the, most of their free agents back and they'll probably get some more help. So I wouldn't be too worried. But at the same time, that's still a lot of money to pay someone, $10 million a year, and he will barely play. And, and I get the whole Durant and Irving factor. They, they really like him there. He's very in, – in certain ways, he's very important – um, but you know, they've definitely gone a long way from, we, we've gone a long way from last year, Deandre Jordan must start where, to the point where they fired Kenny Atkinson to bring in Vaughn and he started him. We've gone a long way from there to the, to being in the, in the playoffs and Deandre Jordan hasn't played. He, he was basically out of the rotation since, uh, like a couple months earlier. So maybe... I'm, I'm sure by now Dran and Irving kind of realize that, uh, you know, this might not be working out, might not be working out. <laughs> yeah. And one thing, you know, to keep in mind, uh, a lot of Nets fans around the the league, <laughs> the, you know, that wherever that, you know, because Durant has brought more fans to his team, Kyrie, uh, outside of Brooklyn. But a lot of fans that keep tabs on the Nets, they always talk about Nick Claxton. And, you know, for me, uh, and, and talking with some of the guys there, uh, Brooklyn absolutely loves Nick Claxton. Um, I was told that he wasn't going anywhere before the trade deadline, just to give you an idea um, how much they like him. I mean, to to get that guy, it just sounded like he would have to be in a package that was for uh, a star. Ironically, you know, when they got James Harden, they were able to keep him, which, again, gives you a, a little bit of a glimpse into how much they value him. And as he continues to get stronger and put on weight, uh, you know, this is a guy that could potentially be the long term starting center for the Nets. He's everything you want in a big man in today's NBA. He can handle the ball, uh, block shots, and he's a pretty good offensive rebounder. Uh, just has to add some size. But, you know, with that said, it'd be interesting to see kind of what they do with DeAndre's future. Um, you know, and, and that's not the only asset I look for the Nets to kind of dangle. Uh, you know, I think you and I had talked about this a bit off the air prior, but, 
being that they have that late first round pick, that's something they could look to move as well. Maybe try to lower their luxury tax bill as well. Uh, we saw it the year that they ended up getting Claxton where they uh, swapped picks. So just something to keep an eye on as well for that. Yeah. So with Nick Claxton, I, I could tell they really love him. I, it, they His potential gave them a, all the confidence they needed to include Jared Allen in that Harden trade. And then Nick really came along this year. And, um, yeah, he's extension eligible this offseason. It should be somewhere uh, around like 55 to 59 million. We'll, we'll see where that comes out. Uh, that's the max number. I don't... I don't think he'll get the full amount if he gets extended this offseason. So that might that might go to restricted free agency the next offseason. So we'll see. But no, I agree. He'll definitely be in Brooklyn for the long term. Um, now, as for back to DeAndre, as far as the trade, I don't really think they're going to get like a really good player for him. Like it's easy to see. Yeah, they'll probably offer their pick this year. Um one, they they can offer it uh, after the draft. And once the pick is made, they can package the pick with DeAndre Jordan. And the way I see it, I you know I don't know if they're gonna get somebody like um, that can uh, come off the bench, get play like fifteen to eighteen minutes. I don't know if they're gonna get someone that good. My feeling is that because Jordan has two years on his contract, maybe they could get back an expiring contract for a player who's like slightly better. And that's the main value you're getting. You get, you save one year. So you, you get off the money sooner and then you take a shot on someone that, uh, that can, uh, you know, again, not, no one's really, no one particularly special, but maybe can still play, uh, at the very least, but, saving some money pretty much he's saving some money sooner and he's not the only guy that um you know they have to look at in terms of trying to save money and the reason one of the reasons is because they do have some guys that are eligible for um you know some money coming up now this summer and you know bruce brown being a a restricted free agent coming up this summer is going to be one of those guys that uh could look to get paid you know and, and talking with most of the executives it seemed like he can get somewhere in that five to seven million dollar range. But what's interesting about his situation is most of the executives felt that Bruce Brown's value was so unique to the Nets with the way they play him as a, a, a really small ball, big guy and a guy that uh, can score on offense with cutting and floaters into into the lane uh, that he that the way Steve Nash has used them has, has been brilliant, but it may not work uh, for some other team. So that to me is going to be interesting. Plus, uh, you know, you had touched on it uh, and you could speak to it better than me. The luxury tax implications for the Nets are coming up uh, pretty rapidly here. Yeah, Bruce Brown, the, I think the Bruce Brown experience has gone so much better than they even expected this early on. And uh, you say that some executives said maybe he'll get like somewhere in the five to seven million range. I thought that was a little low and I feel like he could get a little more than that just mainly because it's going to be hard for the Nets to replace him. Uh, they, you know, uh, they, they were very lucky 
and it seems like they, that was a very rare opportunity for them to get him for the price that they gave up, which was like close to nothing. And uh, it's going to be if, if he leaves, there's not really anything they could do to replace him. So maybe he can, he can get a little bit more. Uh, either way, I, I'm sure he'll be better. Uh, they're already going to have a very expensive team. They only have about uh, nine players on the roster right now, if you include their pick. And that's uh, that's already close to like a forty-five million tax bill. So all their payments already exceeding two hundred million with just eight with just eight guys. And that's before bringing back Bruce Brown, potentially bringing back Jeff Green and Blake Griffin. Um, maybe they get something for Dinwiddie. So it's going to be expensive, and it's going to get even more expensive about two years from now when they're in the repeater and they're paying Harden, Duran, and Irving even more money. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, too, it's too hard to even project what that's going to look like. That just seems like very astronomical how expensive that team's going to be. My thing at, at that point is always you want to get to that point where you have three elite stars and you do have to pay them. You know, we kind of saw it a little bit with the Warriors, um, with Steph Clay and Draymond, but to me, that's the price of success. And, you know, look, I know that injuries hurt the Nets this season, but, uh, you know, if, no matter who you talk to in that organization from any level, uh, whether it's the bench or the front office, uh, that organization felt, barring injury, uh, they were absolutely a title team. And I would honestly agree with them. I mean, even when they were down uh, a couple guys against Milwaukee, they were giving it. Uh, they're all, it's just that once Harden went down too after Kyrie and, and you're, you're dealing with the both of them with the injuries that, that really limited them. But, um, you know, it's interesting too. I like, if, even if you even want to look even a little further ahead, uh, there's a couple of guys that could be extension eligible this off season, uh, for the nets. And, you know, as you touch on like the whole luxury tax implication, it's just like, the beauty of the Nets is like they've got a lot of guys that are going to get pay raises, but then you've got to take care of those guys somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like I said earlier, even if the Nets don't really make a big, like, huge addition and they just bring back most of their guys, like you got to feel good after watching that Bucks series. You have to feel good about the Nets going forward. Um, like in my opinion, they were just a couple Joe Harris threes away from advancing with one and a half stars so they'll be right back in it uh don't have they're not gonna even blink about the incoming costs just uh they're 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 the favorites heading in the next year and you got to be feeling good if you're a Nets fan and it's interesting because with Brooklyn uh, Sean Marks talked about being committed to the big three uh their rival one of I should say the Philadelphia 76ers Daryl Morey recently had his end of the season press conference, and he talked about being committed not only to uh, Ben Simmons, but Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. And he said, we're committed to this group. This is a really good group. Now, of course, when he was pressed on, uh, you know, Ben Simmons' future, um, it was interesting because it's like he also left the door open that obviously something could happen with Ben um, any move that will help our team win the championship or improve our odds 
we will look at and do it if it makes sense to do that. Uh, you know, great GM speak there, but yeah, it's easy to say that he's part of the core now, but he was obviously involved in the James Harden talks for a reason. Uh, I think that when it comes time for Ben Simmons, uh, by the way, who was asked if he wants to stay with the 76ers and he replied, yeah, I love being in Philly. I love this organization. The fans are great people. I had a bad series. I expect that uh, referencing the boos and criticism. It's Philly. So a lot of people are asking around the league and, you know, I had even asked executives about it for a recent story on Hoops Hype what the future is going to be for Ben Simmons. And if he's out of Philly, where could he go? And so, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, well, you know, in Portland, maybe they could try to go get uh, Damian Lillard or make a package for him or CJ McCollum. I mean, to me, uh, there's no way that Ben Simmons is bringing back Damian Lillard. Now, obviously, there's got to be more things involved there. You know, you're talking about like, Tyrese Maxey, the draft picks that Philly has as well, but I still don't think that's enough to get Damian Lillard. CJ McCollum, maybe to shake it up in Portland and in Philly to get more of a true guard uh, to be with Embiid, but I, the whole notion of, of Dame, I, I just, I never really got that. I'd be shocked if it happened. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, at the same time, I'm mostly because we have to see if Dame actually becomes available. I mean, if he were to become available, I'm, I think there's a way they could uh, they could trade Simmons and, as uh, Zach Lowe would say, add stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, picks Tyrese Maxey to make something work, maybe get a third team involved. Uh, just as, but right now, it's not looking like that. Same thing with Bradley Beal. Uh, and that's the that's the, what puts Philly in such a tough spot because you need if you're trading Simmons you need an All Star back you don't want to trade him to uh, a team like I don't know Sacramento for example you get like Buddy Heald and uh, like a a future pick or get a couple picks like you can't you don't have time for that like you can get all the value accumulated in a in a trade. But you need that all-star back. So if and it, it doesn't, we don't know what the situation is with Damon Beal. Uh, to a lesser, lesser extent, I've seen a lot of people talk about maybe what about Zach Levine. I don't know about. I don't think the Bulls would want to do that either. So if, if you're not getting an all-star back, then do you even trade Simmons at this point? Is val and I'm starting to think more and more like maybe not maybe they don't trade him as of now if his value is so low they can't get an all-star back maybe you uh bring him back try to uh, improve some of these offensive deficiencies make him look a little better and then then maybe you could turn him to something by the trade deadline like an all-star back i don't know it's really tough but i'm starting to be a little pessimistic that they might even trade him at all just because yeah, if you're not, you need to get an all-star back, and it's hard to see who that is. Uh, there's, and then everyone's already proposed that CJ McCollum trade. I don't. That one's just like, you know, I don't, I don't really love it for either team. Um, but at the same time, I could see why both sides would do it. So, I mean, that's where I'm at. It's we'll just kind of have to wait and see what the market looks like. I'm sure there's going to be a star that 
is unhappy, asks out. There is every year, but until then, I'm a little pessimistic that we'll see a Simmons trade, at least one that makes a lot of sense for Philly. Yeah, and I, I never got the I never got the Brad Beal stuff because they've been trying to keep him, and also he would Ben Simmons would be a horrible fit with Russell Westbrook. But right. on top of that, you know, you you, you touched on Zach Levine. Um, they are going to have to see where Zach's head is at after this offseason going into next year because his future is going to be interesting. He's going to be one of the top free agents coming up here soon. Uh, looking ahead. And so for me, um, you, you know, you, you were also saying, too, about like his value being low. It's amazing to me that a guy that's a three time all star and two time all defensive team member, just uh, his values gone down. But now I remember talking with his high school coach, uh, Kevin Boyle out of Montverde Academy. And, you know, he had told me years ago that Ben can shoot the ball. He can. It's just that, you know, he's lost confidence. So, I mean, if they can rebuild that confidence in him, then you've got the co-star you need next to Joel Embiid. It's like, to me, and here's another thing, Yossi. Me personally, you know, I know he got kind of compared to LeBron. They did the similar cover um, on Slam, I think it was. But to me, Ben Simmons was more, always more of a Lamar Odom type of guy because he could handle the ball, uh, rebound, get into the lane and make assists. And his scoring, you know, Lamar Odom was a talented player, but scoring wise, he he was never asked to carry a team. He was always a really good like second or third guy and, and really good at his role. Um, we saw that on the Lakers when they won. So to me, I always thought of him more that way. You know, I know people throw out these like Magic Johnson comparisons, the LeBron James comparisons. Maybe he's just not that. And that's not a bad thing. He's still an all-star caliber player. Um, it's just that in the market he's in and uh, with the free throws, you know, it you saw like in the videos after. And you know how it is with fans, but they're burning the guy's jersey. It it wasn't it's a. You know, won the city of brotherly love, and it it, it sure wasn't uh, sunshine and rainbows like Rocky Balboa once said. Uh, yeah, but the thing, the thing with Sim is that he came into the league. Well, he missed the first year, but then when he came in and started playing, he started immediately getting triple doubles, and it was very aggressive getting to the paint and already showing signs of the elite, elite defense. So, and he won Rookie of the Year. So, like expectations were so high, and it and the sky really was the limit and I, you know, I'm guilty of even saying, yeah, he's the next magic Johnson or, you know, magic to Johnson type, but it's, he just, the lack of improvement over the years, um, especially on offenses. Yeah. It's gotta be very disappointing if you're a Sixers fan and if you're in the front office, but, um, no, it's going to be very, and I get what you're saying. Like if, I think I love Lamar Odom. Uh, I think that's a that is a fair comparison, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to be very hard to to kind of uh, reason with that. That maybe he's not he's closer to Lamar Odom than Magic, especially given how the first few years went with Simmons. Well, I could I can understand that, but you know, on one hand, while we talk about. Ben Simmons being the co-star to Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid 
clearly the face of the franchise for this team. Uh, he's eligible for some money as well, which I think you could touch on obviously better than I. Yeah, so he's he's a now super max eligible, having made uh, All NBA second team this off this season, and he will be uh, eligible to sign the super max during the off season. Uh, it would so since he's got two years on his deal, he can add an additional four. It would add uh, one ninety one million over the next uh, uh, on top of the two years he already has, and. Uh, I would expect that he will sign that. I don't see any reason why he he wouldn't. Um, and the main thing for the Sixers is they already have a very expensive team. They were in the luxury tax this year. They weren't too deep, but uh, they're probably going to be in it again these next two years. Uh, I, one of the things that – so I, I, I was writing about the Sixers. One of the things I was saying is that – if you know they just got bounced out of the second round, it was pretty disappointing. Considering there was a one, they were a one seed, uh, would ownership want to continue paying as much as they did uh, next season? And most likely they still will, because uh, really the only way they could get out of the luxury tax at this point would be if they were to trade Simmons or Tobias Harris to save some money. And I. Don't really, and like I said, as of now, I don't really expect that. Uh, and if they do trade Simmons and they get an all-star back, good chance they'll be paying even more money on whoever they get back. Uh, point is, though, that they're probably going to be in the tax. And then by the time Embiid's contract, uh, the his Supermax kicks in, they could be in the repeater tax by then. And I was, just to get an idea of how expensive the team could be, uh, imagine they're this the 2020 the 2020-21 Sixers their payroll which was already in the luxury tax and replace them with the salaries that Harris Simmons and Embiid will have uh, in uh, two years from now when Embiid supermax kicks in basically they're gonna have like a really ridiculous payment I think I said something it might be altogether it might be like 300 million in total expenses. It's going to be pretty high, so that's something that the front office and ownership kind of need to figure out soon. You know, we're going to pay and beat this much money, but then this core is going to get super expensive. We got to really figure out who we're going to put around him, and so it'll be very interesting to see what the next few seasons look like um, because if they're going to pay as much money as they are. They better put the right team around and beat it. Well, not only that, what's interesting to me is, look, the guy you know, has seen his share of injuries over his career already, and big men generally are not as durable as guards and wings in the league. So to me, you know, just because he's eligible for the Supermax, you know, I mean, look, the guy had an MVP caliber season. But if you are Philly, I almost wonder if you – hold on to doing that and you see if you can get another healthy year out of them and then maybe try to figure it out or later on if you can delay it as possible i i I really think that's going to be an interesting decision for them i mean on on the surface yeah sure you look at the guy's numbers and it's a no-brainer but the long-term health and and you touched on those luxury tax implications that's where things get interesting for me 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely holding, delaying it for a year is definitely probably something they're not really going to have the option to do, but I get what you're saying. And, you know, maybe they cannot the injury protection like they did on this contract. Now I think it's, ex- it, it's like past the point where uh, the Sixers could uh, void Embiid's contract. Had he, would he get hurt? Uh, not that they would now, but maybe they could add that again. Um, you know, we'll see that it is a real concern though. Uh, I believe Embiid's, 26 or 27 you know that six years from now he'll be in his early 30s so uh but at the same time uh it's one of those things where if he wants it they don't exactly have a choice so we'll we'll see we'll, we'll, they'll probably have to give it to him though yeah and they're gonna have some other more minor things that they gotta look at you know one of them Daryl Morey touched on was George Hill because he's got a non-guaranteed deal next year and they they acquired him at the deadline. Uh, you know, Daryl said, um, "We really like what George brought. He's the kind of guy you want on a team trying to win the championship. He's gone very deep in the playoffs many times." He added that, uh, you know, determination on whether they're going to guarantee his deal uh, hasn't been made yet. But I would like to think, given that ringing endorsement and he is a good fit around Embiid, a defensive guard that could shoot threes that even if they don't pick it up, that they would figure it out and have like a wink wink deal uh, heading into the summer form. You can't let that guy walk. Cause then how are you going to fill his spot? Right. Uh, they also got to figure things out with Danny green. Um, I expect that they'll bring him back. He was really good for them this year and, uh, they won't really be able to replace him if he leaves. Uh, uh, you know, my one other thing I wanted to touch on is if they keep Simmons, which, you know, they, they've said, like uh, Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey have already said that, you know, they want to improve his shot and help every, you know, improve all the issues. If that is truly the plan and they want to keep going with him, I do feel like maybe they shouldn't play him at point guard anymore. And one thing, they missed out on trading for Kyle Lowry. It's going to be a little harder to get a guy like him now, uh, just given how much money they already uh, have on their payroll. And like with the Lakers, if you're going to sign and trade for a free agent, you're hard capped. And they've got about – so they got 12 players on the roster right now, uh, including their pick, put them roughly $9 below the hard cap. So – if they're going to try to sign a trade for Lowry, it's going to, they're basically going to either have to send out either Tobias Harris or Ben Simmons and just, uh, just to really create that space. They could also get there by instead trading Seth Curry and George Hill. Uh, if they get off their salaries, you know, maybe they, in that case, they could give Lowry, uh, something reasonable. You could probably still get more elsewhere, but maybe they could bring him in and maybe still re-sign Danny Green. It's still it's a stretch, but the whole point is, I think they should try to get a another. If, if they're going to keep Simmons, try to get a good starting point guard. Uh, I'm not saying that this Lowry scenario is that realistic. Uh, it's not quite realistic, but if they can get someone like him. Uh, I would feel a lot better about the Sixers core going into next season. 
yeah, well, maybe, uh, you know, Doc Rivers and the boys are going to be trying to go to Danny Green's house and make sure that he don't go anywhere, just like they did back in the day with DeAndre Jordan. He loves him. Doc Rivers loves Danny Green. Um, and what he brings, as much as his intangibles to the team, uh, as much as his three-point shooting and defense. So a lot of stuff coming up in the offseason for both uh, two of the top contenders in the East, the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Appreciate you hopping on with me, Yossi, as always, to break it down. On behalf of my colleague, Yossi Goslin, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too. He's Yossi Goslin. That's at Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.